calling the truth teller. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm giving you this, this passage this morning way before we're going to get there. Because we're going to be in Lamentations chapter 3. Some of you had no idea there was even a book in the Bible called Lamentations. And I'm going to give you a little clue. It's in the Old Testament. All right? And it's after Psalm. So maybe that will help you out. Uh, you can probably find that. Uh, but here's what we're going to be doing in this series that's going to take us into the holidays. Uh, in this series, we're going to be looking at some of the emotions that we deal with in our lives, some of the emotions that we have, uh, that we experience, that we feel, uh, you know, on a daily basis, some of us. And the reason that we're calling this series The Truth Teller uh, is because our emotions often reveal the truth of what's really going on down deep in our heart, right? Our emotions often reveal uh, exactly what is going on in our spirit and, and in our lives. And as I was planning for this series, uh, we had a little situation that happened in our house a few weeks ago uh, on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, many of you know Lynette and I, we, we teach a, a marriage small group that many of you have been through. Uh, it's a six-week uh, study that we go through with married couples. It's not married couples in crisis. It's just we're trying to help people have a better marriage. And we've been doing this now for three or four years. I don't know. And probably 50 couples have come through our home uh, that we've been able to share this uh, teaching with. So we had a new group that was starting the, the first week of the six-week series. You know, five new couples that were going to be in our home that had never been there before. And so you always kind of, you know, put a little extra shine on things and uh, sweep and all that. So anyway, we're getting ready for that on Sunday afternoon. Lynette is cooking because she always prepares an awesome meal. Uh, anybody say amen that's been through that? Huh? Every week we have an awesome meal that she prepares for us uh, to be a blessing to those families. And so she's beginning to prepare the meal. She's put some onions on a pot on the stove to, uh, I learned this morning that uh, they're sautéing. Is that correct? Is that the right phrase? I said cooking and someone said sautéing. So she's sautéing onions. Uh, the doorbell rings. Uh, we'll go to the door. It's our district superintendent and his wife. I've been sharing with you that they are retiring, moving to Tennessee, building a home. Well, he'd been keeping his boat at our house, uh, basically in storage until they could get it over to Tennessee. So they came to pick up the boat. So we're standing out in the yard, we're chit-chatting, and they're showing us pictures of the new house they're building over in Nashville and hooking the boat up and all that. And just a minute, Dr. Berkner, uh, our district superintendent, he, he says, he gets this look on his face, and he says, What's that noise? And so we kind of, you know, I tune in because my eye can't hear it thunder. Uh, and so kind of like this, and hear like what, what sounded like a car alarm going off. And then it hits me, that's coming from our house. And so we, you know, we bust in, open the door, the house is filled with smoke. The smoke alarms are going off, our security system is going off, and Lynette's cell phone is ringing. And so I gra grabbed the cell phone. It's the company that monitors our security system. They're wanting to know if we're okay and, you know, that they have notified the fire department and they're en route to our house. And I'm like, no, wait, wait, don't cancel that. It's just my wife's cooking, you know. And so, and so uh, that's how we know when it's ready, when the smoke alarm goes off. And for those of you that have eaten her cooking, you know that's not true. 
Uh, but anyway, you know, it, it, it was a crazy deal. And so we, we go in the house, and, you know, we know we've got company coming. And so we're raising all the windows, opening all the doors. You know, we've got all the, the, the phones on and, and all that. And that, as I, I thought about that, I, I thought about those smoke alarms and, and, and what they actually do. Uh, and the purpose of the smoke alarms. A, a smoke alarm really doesn't fix anything, does it? it? It doesn't really even point us to where the exact problem is, right? Uh, you know, it, it just warns you that there is something burning and that there is smoke that is coming from somewhere. And, and that's about all that, that we know about it. And, and we could, you know, open every window and we could turn on every fan and we could get rid of that smoke and get the smoke out of the house. But until, think about it now, until Lynette actually moved that pan off of the burner, the problem was just going to continue, wasn't it? I, I, and it was eventually going to get much worse than what it was if she didn't remove that from, from the heat. And in the same way, our emotions... Uh, are, are not usually the problem. Our emotions are much like the smoke, uh, and, and they're just indicators of some underlying problem uh, that we need to find or, or point out. And this morning, we're basically doing kind of an overview of what this series is going to be about, and then we're going to touch on one of the emotions. Uh, but this morning, with, with that in mind, over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some emotions that function uh, like the smoke alarms do that, that, that are in your house. And like with smoke, uh, the wisest thing to do with these emotions is not just to, you know, whiff them out the window or fan them uh, away or clear them or suppress them or, or even ignore them, uh, but to understand that some of our emotions are, are just indicators, uh, uh, the truth tellers of what's going on, some of the underlying factors that may be in our heart and in our spirit because think about it our emotions determine a lot about how we view life do they not our, our emotions uh, often determine how happy you feel about life or or how much you enjoy life your emotions determine how you treat other people uh, and, and so, you know, the first emotion that we're going to look at this morning uh, when we dig into this a little deeper is depression and I know that, you know, I want to say right up, up front that this is a complex emotion uh, to talk about and understand. But just because it's difficult and just because it's complex and just because it's one of those things that we really can't wrap our minds completely around sometimes doesn't mean that we need to just ignore it as the church because it's real and it's there. And a lot of people deal with it and struggle with it. And so that's the first emotion that we're going to look at because we've all experienced this uh, at, at different levels uh, from time to time in our lives. Uh, and think about it. Depression almost always begins how? By some sort of discouragement that takes place, right? Uh, and, so, and then discouragement can often build and it can grow and it just feels like it gets heavier and heavier. And the weight of all that uh, can be unhealthy and not just unhealthy, but some of you know it can be debilitating at times. It can get to a, a point to where you can't even function or even feel like you're able to breathe sometimes uh, because it's so heavy. And, and there can be a lot of contributing factors to these things and these emotions uh, that we're talking about. Uh, there can be psychological factors that, that, you know, play a part in this. There can be social factors that, that play into this. There can be 
physical issues sometimes that factor into discouragement and depression. Uh, and there can also be spiritual factors. And so in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to primarily focus on the spiritual aspect, the spiritual factors behind the emotions that we're going to uh, be taking a look at. But that in no way means that that is the only contributing factor, all right, to the emotion. And I just want to be clear about that. And, and I'll give you a personal example of how there are different factors that can bring out uh, different emotions in our lives. For example, have you ever noticed how unspiritual you get when you're really tired? <laughs> huh? Or, or how unspiritual you can be if you get, like, you know, really hungry. Uh, Lynette says, and, and, I, and I don't know this to be true, but she says it, and so she's the truth teller. <laughs> uh, but, see the connection? Lynette says that when uh, I'm tired, I'm grouchy. She says when I'm hungry, I'm grouchy. She says when I'm hot. I'm grouchy. And she says, when I wake up, I'm grouchy. <laughs> that pretty well covers it all, doesn't it, Pat? I'm a grouchy. I'm just a grouch, pretty much, except for when I've had lunch, a nap, and the temperature is 72 degrees. <laughs> and then I'm a pleasant person to be around. Uh, but, you know, honestly, I can get really impatient and rude when I'm really tired. Okay, I can. Some of you can too. I've been around you, right? Uh, and I can be impatient and rude when I'm hungry. And uh, uh, those that know me best know that when my back hurts, <laughs> I can really be rude and, and, and impatient. And, and so think about it. Some would view my impatience as a spiritual problem. Right? I mean, you would view me pulling up behind you at a red light and honking my horn until you go that I had some spiritual issues going on, right? And it might just be that I'm trying to get to steak and shake, you know? Uh, and, and so, you know, it would be viewed as a spiritual problem. And nothing, I'm not saying anything should justify me ever being impatient or me ever being rude. But the truth is, my impatience, which, yeah, is a soul problem, uh, is being triggered by a physical condition. You see what I'm saying? And, and so that doesn't mean that I should pray for more patience. It just means I should probably take a nap, eat a Snickers bar, and have ibuprofen on hand at all times. Uh, Lynette can tell you, and, and some of you know it to be true, sometimes the best thing I can do for my spiritual life is to take a pain pill, right? And some of you can relate to that uh, because sometimes that's just what it takes. And don't misunderstand me this morning because I, I'm not saying that what I experience when I'm tired or when I'm hungry uh, is the same as what you experience if you struggle with depression uh, or that it can be fixed that easily uh, at all. I'm just making the point that there's a lot going on behind a lot of the emotions that we feel, that we experience, and that we express, okay? There's a lot of things that factor into that. And, and so, uh, you know, and, and so it can be, you know, Physical, it can be, again, spiritual, psychological, it can be social. And so, like I said, it's complicated, all right? I don't have all the answers, uh, but in this series, what I want to do is, fo is focus mainly on the spiritual aspects of some emotions that we have and that we feel. And so I want to dig in today to this emotion of depression. And again, it often begins with discouragement, uh, and when you... 
get discouraged about something, you know that it begins to change the way you think about things. It begins to, it begins to change the way uh, that you look even maybe at life. Uh, I'll give you some examples. Maybe it's in your marriage, and it's just not what you thought it would be. Uh, it doesn't seem to be getting any better. And so, you know, that can be discouraging and generate some of these feelings and this emotion that we're talking about today. Maybe it's something happened that shattered the sense of who you are. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you were overlooked for a promotion. Uh, maybe someone broke up with you. Uh, you didn't make the team. You didn't make the cut. You didn't get the scholarship. You know, there's a lot of things out there that can trigger and factor into this. It could have all started with losing a loved one. And you're just lonely. And that's what you feel, and that pain of loss doesn't seem to be going away. And I talk to people that feel this way and experience this all the time. It could be a chronic illness, right? It, it, or maybe a physical pain that you just feel like is never going to end. And for those of you that have experienced that, you know that can just wear you down. That can wear you down spiritually, emotionally, not, you know, not just physically, but it affects so many things. Some of you here this morning, maybe in your life, you've done some things and you know, I just flat out messed that up. And maybe it cost you a relationship. Maybe it cost you a, a, a marriage. Maybe, maybe it cost you something of great value. And because of that, you just feel like a failure. You know, you've, you've proven in the past that you don't make good decisions and, and, and that, you know, you, you probably never will. And so some of you, some people have described it to me like this. Sometimes those things can just get so heavy and, and so honest that I've heard a lot of people describe it like they're in a pit, right? And, and so maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there today, uh, and, and all you can see is this nothing, you know, because it's like suffocating darkness uh, that you experience, and some days it even keeps you from getting out of bed. And many people tell me, you know, they just they, they didn't even have the motivation or the strength to get out of bed and just live life. And, and, and the reason I, I know this and the reason I want to talk about this is because every single one of these emotions that we're going to talk about in this series are things that I've dealt with, all right, and things that I've struggled with. I've felt these things. I've experienced these things, and, and it's real. And so we're going to talk about it. And, and so that brings us to Lamentations chapter 3. And again, some of you didn't even know this book was in the Bible. After we look at it this morning, you're going to go, it probably shouldn't even be in there, uh, right? Because this is a book filled with laments, which are basically poems about how bad everything is, you know, about how bad life is. Uh, and surprisingly, uh, several, much of this writing comes from a prophet of God, all right? From Jeremiah, and we've studied, and we know a lot about Jeremiah, but Jeremiah was a prophet, and a lot of this writing comes from a prophet, uh, Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah lived during a time when Israel was being exiled uh, because of their sin and because of their disobedience. They had, Israel had hardened their hearts so many times that, that God allowed them to be exiled from the promised land, 
you know, that they had been living in. And Jeremiah had watched while the magnificent temple, we talked uh, several months ago, we did a series on Solomon, and we talked about the temple that he oversaw and constructed. And, and, and Jeremiah had, had seen that and been a part of that. And then he saw that temple uh, get torn down while all the, this was going on. And, 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 you know, that was the very symbol of their faith and their strength. And now Jeremiah had seen this crumble. Jeremiah was one of the remaining survivors uh, in Jerusalem. And everybody, you know, kept telling themselves all around him, well, you know, the worst must be over because they've experienced all this. And so the worst must be over. But God told Jeremiah that the worst wasn't over and that the worst was still yet to come. But it was Jeremiah's job as prophet to tell the people that hey i know it's been bad i know it's been horrible we've lost family we've been separated we have people killed the temple's gone you know there's destruction everywhere but i'm here to tell you god told me to tell you the worst is yet to come it's not going to get better can you imagine that being your job? <laughs> I, I mean, if they took a vote at the church, Jeremiah would not have gotten confirmed again as pastor, uh, preaching that kind of message. But to tell the people around you that you love and that you've been through all this horrific tragedy went through, that the worst was still about to come. And to make matters worse, here's the deal. Jeremiah's saying exactly what God told him to say. But nobody believed him. And people were calling him a, a, a traitor. They even put him in a dungeon. And we read in Jeremiah, when we're reading the story of Jeremiah in chapter 38, verse 6, it says they put him in a dungeon and he sunk up to his armpits in mud. All right, can you imagine? And it was from this very hellhole that Jeremiah wrote these words that we're going to be looking at this morning. So now I think you can probably have a little better understanding of what we're going to be going through. And so if you think that you're in a bad situation, can I just tell you, Jeremiah gets it. Your friends may not understand, your family may not understand, but Jeremiah definitely would have understood. Okay, and so this morning we're going to join Jeremiah in his mud pit here in Lamentations chapter 3, and we're going to begin at verse 1. He says, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. And some of you can relate to Jeremiah's pit here where there's nothing but darkness. There's no light. There doesn't seem to be any hope. And don't miss this. Who is the he that Jeremiah is talking about that has driven him to this pit? It's God, right? He's pointing his finger right in God's face. And we're going to go down through here, and you can almost see like Jeremiah is just bowed up, got his mud up to here, but his finger is pointing straight at God and saying, you did this, you're the reason, right? Look at verse 4. He's the one that made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in the darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so that I can't escape. He's weighed me down with chains even when I call out or cry for help. He shuts out my prayer. He doesn't even listen. You ever feel like this? You ever feel like this? Like God is not listening? Like God doesn't care? Maybe you've even wondered if God was behind it all? You know, at the very le least, you wondered why he wasn't doing something about it, why he wasn't trying to stop it. 
But here's the deal. Uh, Jeremiah knows that what he's feeling is not really true. And, and we're going to see in, that in a minute. But regardless, this is how he feels. Okay? And, and some of you have gone through dark times and these same kinds of feelings uh, uh, and you just suppress them. Because here's the deal. We tell ourselves this. And, and, and it, it's, it's sad that we do. But we tell ourselves this. People in the church, people who are Christians, they don't feel like this. People, you know, we tell ourselves that real Christians don't feel this way. Can I just tell you this morning, Jeremiah was a real Christian, right? He was a prophet of God, and he felt this way. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers to ever walk on the face of this earth, he was a real Christian, and he told his congregation one Sunday morning, which, oh, by the way, was over 15,000 people, he told them, I have spent more days shut up in depression than probably anybody else here. All right? And, and I share this with you today to tell you this. You are not alone in how you feel. All right? You are not alone in feeling the feelings that you feel. And Jeremiah continues on uh, in verse 9 through 20. And I'm not going to put all this up on the screen this morning. But I want you to just listen how this prophet of God, Jeremiah, feels. And it's dark. He's in a dark place. He says, he's barred my way with blocks of stone. He's made my paths crooked like a bear. He's talking about God, like a bear lying in wait, like a lion that's in hiding. He dragged me from the path and mangled me, and he left me without help. He drew his bow, and he made me the target for his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. He feels like he's even being hunted down and assaulted by God. I became the laughingstock of all my people. They mocked me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering the bitterness and the gall, I well remember them, and my soul is depressed within me. This is Jeremiah, friends, the prophet of God. <laughs> now, we read this and think, if I would have been putting the Bible together, I probably would have left this out. <laughs> Don't you think? I mean, somebody should have edited this out because this is just downright depressing. I, I, none of us are going to go home and memorize any of these scriptures, are we? Huh? But instead, think about it. God chose to include this in the Bible. Why? Why, why would he do that? Because he wants those of you who suffer to know that he knows how you feel. And... It's okay for you to express that to him. It's okay. He gets it. And he wants us to know that. What Jeremiah is feeling here and what he's writing here, he's just being honest. Right? He's just being, being honest with God. And it's okay to be honest uh, with God. And don't miss this. The greatest Christians that we read about in the Bible, the greatest Christians that we read about in history were not those that God delivered from all the pain and the misery. Right? It's the ones that God delivered through the pain 
and, and through the misery and, and through the despair. And, and our faith begins by us, number one, being honest with God. But listen, it don't stop there. It doesn't stop there. And what we see next in Jeremiah, I, I love this. I want you to look at what he goes on to say. From his dark mud pit, right? Jeremiah says this in verse 21. Yet this I call to mind. This is what I'm going to choose to remember. And therefore, I have hope. I choose to have hope. Why? Because of the Lord's great love. We are not consumed by the mud in the pit. By the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And Jeremiah continues in verse 24. So here's what I'm going to do. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for Him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him. To the one who seeks Him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Don't miss this. This is Jeremiah's own answer to the pit that he has found himself in. Right? It's the answer to... The spiritual piece of depression, and he shows us what to do when we find ourselves in that pit. The first thing is this, and we see it in verse 21. Recall the goodness of God. He, he says this, I call to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him and seeks him. Think about it. God is his father. He's reminded himself that God is his Abba father. We talked about Abba basically means daddy, right? God is his, his daddy, and God is like any good father. Yes, he may allow his children to go through some pain, but that doesn't mean that he enjoys it, okay? Uh, and he only allows it because he knows that that pain will sometimes be for our own good. That that pain sometimes will ultimately produce greater joy in our lives later. Uh, it's like when Lynette and I took the twins uh, to uh, get their shots when they were infants. And what's funny about that is when we took them, as 23 years ago, we took them to get those shots. They were dressed the same that day too. <laughs> Except Hunter always wore green, Hayden always had on blue. That's the only way we could tell them apart. But when we took them to get those shots as, in, as infants, we knew that it was going to be painful, right? We knew that it was going to be a terrible experience. Not just for them, but for us as well, right? I mean, they ought to prepare parents for that uh, as well. But we knew that, that, that it, it was not going to be a good experience. But we also knew that ultimately it was for their own good, right? It was going to be a miserable day. It was going to be a miserable situation. It was going to cause some pain. But we knew that ultimately it would be for their own good. And Jeremiah says, in my pain, I cling to the goodness of my Father and the love that He has shown me in the past. That's what I'm going to cling to. That's what I'm going to hold on to when I'm sinking in this mud pit up to, my, up to my arms. Jeremiah chose to believe this even when he couldn't see it, even when he couldn't feel it in his heart. We read here what he feels. We read here what his emotions are and what his present circumstance was. Listen, you can't feel your way into faith in God. Can I just tell you that? Your faith in God does not come from some emotion that you have experienced. And sadly, I believe there's a lot of people today that have experienced some kind of emotion 
that they responded to and they think they responded to God when all reality they just responded to an emotion and they never surrendered their life to God. They responded to an emotion. I'm going to tell you something. Your emotion won't save you. Your, your emotions, uh, uh, you can't feel your way into faith or into belief in God. Our faith is not determined. Thank the good Lord. Our faith is not determined in how we feel. All right? Our faith in God is determined by what? His goodness. His goodness for us. And we know that He is a good father and a loving daddy. And anytime you doubt that, anytime you begin to question that, or that voice in your head starts to tell you that He is not a good God and He's not a good father, you just remind yourself that He sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross for your sins, and He didn't have to do that. <laughs> He's a good father. He's a good God, and he did that for you. We may feel all these things that Jeremiah felt. Some of you have. Some of you are relating. Had a lady come up to me after uh, first service in tears. She said, that was me in that pit. And so some of you I know have experienced this, and you felt that. Some of you may be in it uh, right now. And we may feel all these things that Jeremiah felt, but the Word of God tells us that what we feel is not the truth. All right? And so we choose to believe even when we can't feel it. All right? And so here's the deal. There is no doubt. Is there any doubt in your mind whatsoever that Jeremiah would want out of this pit? Don't you imagine he wanted out? He wanted out of this pit. He wanted to be reunited with his family. He wanted to be reunited with his loved ones. He wanted to see the nation of Israel restored and, and, and to be saved. And he says, he recalls the goodness of God. And because of that, he says, he is convinced. When he recalls the goodness of God, he is convinced that God is going to change things in the days to come. And so because of that, and I only have two points this morning, and all of you are thrilled to death, but because of that, listen, get up tomorrow and look for the goodness of God. Right? That's what Jeremiah is telling us. He reminds us the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Memorize that. That would be a great one. If you're going to memorize something out of the book of Lamentations, that one's it. All right? I love this image of a new morning. I, I talk about it a lot. I, I, I say it a lot in my prayer. Because I love this image of a new day, a new, a new morning. God's mercies and God's faithfulness, are, think about it, are like the sun that's coming up new every morning, erasing the darkness, Right? And replacing it with, with warm light. I, I love that, the vision of that. Listen, today may feel like a terribly dark and, and never-ending night of mistakes and pain and, and despair. But God's mercies rise fresh and they rise new every single morning. So, so on those, those days where you just find life in general to be a struggle, anybody been there? Huh? No, just the preacher, right? But on those days when I feel life in general just to be a struggle, maybe the entire day has been a day where you've struggled with uh, some particular sin and you just feel totally defeated by that at the end of the day. Remember, that's a feeling. 
It's a feeling, and our faith does not come from how we feel or our feelings. Our faith comes from our belief in God and that He is good, right? And so in the morning, or maybe right now, raise up your head, throw back your shoulders, and tell yourself tomorrow is going to be a brand new day filled with God's mercy. And filled with God's faithfulness. Tomorrow is a new day. The sun of God's mercy is going to rise in the morning. And it's going to be full of heat and light. And it's a new day. And oh, by the way, it's the first day of the rest of my life. Huh. That's good preaching. My nose is running and I've got laryngitis and I'm preaching now. <laughs> used to watch pastors carry their hanky and do all that. I'm like, that's disgusting. And then I had, we, had some, uh, uh, we had some guests here one day with some friends, and the friends came up to us after service was over, and they said, you know you wiped your hand with your nose the whole time you were preaching and wiped it on your pants? <laughs> I got my hanky, so she bought me one. Uh, but man, the son of God's mercy is going to come up in the morning. Isn't that awesome? And because God is good, He's promised us a new day filled with mercy and filled with grace. And, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again, and I'll probably say it again and again and again. But l listen, if you're not dead, God's not done. All right? If you're not dead, he, He's not done. And so sometimes we just need to preach to ourselves, right? And, and stop letting our emotions determine our outlook, and, and, you know, His mercies are brand new this morning, and they will be again tomorrow morning. And, and for those, you know, whose depression has primarily a spiritual root uh, cause, this is the hope. Jeremiah wants us to know this is the hope that drives that depression away. Okay, your, your emotions may be telling you that there is nothing ahead but darkness. Your emotions may be telling you that there is nothing ahead but trouble and despair. But what did Jeremiah say? You must remember. You must call to mind that Jesus got out of that grave. Which means that he has plans for you and your family. And don't miss this. That means that ultimately your story ends in victory and not defeat. And I'll just tell you this morning, if you don't like my preaching, preach it to yourself. <laughs> preach yourself uh, this beautiful gospel because the most influential person in your life is not me anyway. It's you. You're the person you listen to the most. So maybe you just need to memorize you a verse or two and preach yourself a message when you find yourself slipping into the pit, feeling like God doesn't love you anymore. Call to mind that it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Call, call to mind that you were saved for a purpose. <laughs> to bless us and, and to make us a blessing. If you can't remember any of that, call to mind that you're a child 
of the king. And the fact that you became his child didn't happen by accident. He chose you. He adopted you. And yeah, you may feel like Jeremiah and feel like he's forgotten about you or maybe some days feel like somehow he's forsaken you or he's let you down. But here's the deal. The truth teller, you know what? It's not your emotions or the depression that you feel. The truth teller is, Jeremiah says, here's the truth. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. So don't let how you feel, all right, or or the emotions of discouragement and depression rob you of the truth, the truth of God's Word and the promises that He's made to His kids. That song we sang a lot as kids in the church. So now when darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on His. Unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, some of you have been in those. Some of you may be in one right now. My anchor holds within the veil. On Christ, the solid rock, I'll stand. So get up again tomorrow. (laughs) Get up and look for it. Get up and look for God's mercy. God's not dead. And because He lives, you shall live also. This morning, we're going to close with a time of prayer. Maybe God's just speaking to your heart about something and you just want to make your way to the altars and pray. Each and every week, we invite you to come and pray maybe over a situation that you're dealing with or you need God's guidance with or His help in. I invite you to come. This prayer chest, we've been praying over for years and years, filled with names of people that we're praying would come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Maybe you just want to come this morning and pray. Maybe bring your family, your spouse, or a friend with you. I invite you to do that. Because listen, folks, our hope is in Him. And that's the only place where we're going to find it. That's the only place that we have it. And so this morning, I invite you to come if you would like to pray. Because listen, folks, great is His faithfulness. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this incredible reminder of how much you love us. I thank you for Jeremiah being honest because him being honest and that being recorded in your holy word just shows us that we're not alone in how we feel. We're not alone in what we experience. The greatest men and women 
in history that were followers of you went through great pain, great trials, and great tribulation. You, you didn't promise us an easy road. You didn't promise us an easy path. Your promise was is that you'd be with us and that path would lead to something glorious. And so, God, we're so grateful and thankful today that you chose us. You chose to walk with us. You chose to adopt us into your family and into the kingdom. And, God, the inheritance that lies before us is greater than any feeling of discouragement or depression that we would ever feel. But God, we understand that it's real. We understand that a lot of people are affected by it. And there's a lot of things that factor into that. But today, God, if it be a spiritual issue, I pray today that we would embrace this message that Jeremiah is sharing with us. Your faithful love never ends. Even though it may feel like it some days. It never ends. Your mercies never cease. Great is your faithfulness to us and your mercies. What an awesome promise. Begin new and fresh every single day. And I believe the reason you put that in your word and the reason we see that in your word is because you knew that we were going to need to be reminded of that every single day. Tomorrow's a new day. And if we're blessed enough to be able to wake up tomorrow, we'll be able to walk in your unchanging grace and in those mercies. So God, we thank you for that because you didn't have to do that for us, but yet you did. I pray for those that are here at these altars this morning that are bringing whatever it is that they bring. You Only you know their hearts. So God, I pray that you would do what only you can do in their situations that they bring to you. We have so many in our church family right now that are going through crisis, health, loss of loved ones, bad test, just a lot of challenges, family struggles, struggles in relationships and marriages. Got a lot of people carried a lot of things in here today. And I thank you today that you chose to remind them that you've got this that you're good, you're not behind it, you're not causing it, and you didn't create it. But God, that you're going to help us and you're going to walk with us through it. And that ultimately, in the, in the end, it's going to be a glorious experience when it all comes to an end. So we thank you for that hope. We thank you for that promise today. Pray for those today that need strength, those that need help, those that need comfort. I pray in all their situations that you would be exactly what they need in every moment. I thank you again for the churches around us. Just been reminded this past week how we're all uh, building the kingdom together. We're partners. Those of us that are teaching and preaching this same gospel message of Jesus Christ, dead, buried, and, and uh, uh, risen from the dead. It's a great message. We've got some great churches that we partner with to share that message and that hope in this community. So we ask your blessings on them. I pray that you'd do great work in and through them, that you'd give them faith, that you'd give them uh, fruit for their obedience to you. God, now as we go from this place, I pray that we would be an extension of you and your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness. That we would be a 
a light perhaps to someone who needs a little light in their darkness tomorrow and we would know exactly how to help exactly how to minister to the needs that we face I pray that we would be open and available to do that again I want to thank you this morning for your incredible love for us wow it's overwhelming overwhelming how much you love us and how much you care and we've been reminded of that today so we thank you for that and we'll always be careful to give you the glory that you deserve in Jesus name we pray Amen God bless you all